What's going on, everyone? Zane here. Got another episode of Everything Vive. Welcome to the show. In today's episode, we have an interview with Katie Good from Triangular Pixels. And Triangular Pixels is the team behind Unseen Diplomacy, which is a game you can find on Steam. I believe it's about three US dollars. And it's probably one of the coolest games that utilizes space and the room scale space uh, that the HTC Vive offers. It's one of the games I played when I first tested out the Vive and tried it at Ronnie's place. And it's also one of the games that I show to people who are first-time users in VR. In this interview, we dive into how Unseen Diplomacy came about and what the future of Triangular Pixels and their development team is working on. So hope you guys enjoy and let's get started. Hello, Katie. How's it going? All right, thanks. Pretty tired, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, I know you're about uh, six hours ahead of us enjoying your Sunday. It's uh, it's Ronnie and I here. Ronnie, how's it going, man? I'm doing well. Great, great. Well, Katie, thank you so much. We really appreciate you uh, taking the time out. Uh, Ronnie and I have both had so much fun with Unseen Diplomacy. In fact, I just had a little pre-Thanksgiving party uh, at my place yesterday, and we were playing Unseen Diplomacy with all people who were very new to virtual reality, and they were having a blast with it. So, oh. great, great job <laughs> on the game. Cool, thanks. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, it was something that we just created in a short time. We weren't really planning to release it. So, I'm happy that, I guess, like, people like yourself can actually <laughs> just play it at home now. Cool. Well, I, I'd love to actually hear the, the inspiration behind the game. Ronnie was telling me a little bit more, but we'd love to hear it just from your perspective. Uh, what, you know, how did this come about? Sure. So um, I guess actually it starts uh, when we did a jam uh, when Valve came over and HC came over to London uh, just to show off the kit really early on. And uh, John and I were at this event and just like sort of jamming with the kit. And the um, theme of the like, the day was room scale. Like, how can you use this room? And while I was in there, I realized that it's sort of in like game sort of terms it's a big space like wow you can track someone through all this massive area but in terms of actually like a real world space it's actually really tiny in the grand scheme of things like you can't fit a whole dungeon into that tiny little area and like I w we were just playing like i was just modeling all sorts of bits and bobs and see what it felt like to walk around these things in virtual reality and one of the things that I modeled was just this little archway that I can crawl under and I realized oh this is really fun <laughs> so we um sort of jammed with the idea uh and like it was called the Hatton Garden Heist uh which is based on a big jewelry house that just happened in London uh, at the time and it went down like it was so well honestly like everyone was really enjoying it and it was so much different to what anybody else was doing uh, so it came round to uh, an event called Game City, which is a event in Nottingham in the UK, where they are much more about the culture of video games rather than just big blockbuster video games. And we wanted to create something quite special for them, and so we created Unseen Diplomacy. Uh, we jammed again, as it were, but for six weeks, and mm -hmm. uh, it was just for this one event. Like it was just supposed to be a week long, something a bit special. Um, you go into the room, and you would have actors, as spies interviewing you for the game. The room was dressed up and felt like you were a part of James Bond. Uh, we had a projector going on, and so people could sort of join in and sort of shout advice. We had networked in Oculus Rifts as well to it, 
so people could sort of drop in there and like that went down really well as well like everyone really loved that and i guess yeah what it came down to was it started getting a bit of press attention just before gdc uh not quite sure why i think it's just like people just suddenly noticed it it's like oh hold on what, what this is actually quite interesting what they're doing here and uh yeah, like we were at GDC and Valve was like, you guys should really release this. And the general public was like, please release this. So we did. We just released it as is. Um, so that's what you see on the store today, really. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I'm grateful that, that they give you some pressure because, like I said, uh, you know, we've definitely gotten a lot of, uh, of good laughs and good good times with with just showing people VR. So it's thank, thank you for releasing it. Yeah, and actually, yes, cool. <laughs> yeah, well, it was one of the first games before I had gotten, you know, I, I had pre-ordered the Vive and got it soon after it, it was released. That was one of the initial pre-orders. But before mm-hmm. I, had, I had received the Vive, I had already seen some videos from, you know, you guys showing up probably at Game City. I'm trying to think, I think it was before GDC, but um, I had seen some, yeah. some footage and thought that as, as far as just a few things that I had seen, that it looked really like a lot of fun. And so as soon as as soon as my Vive came in the mail, um, Unseen Diplomacy was one of the first, uh, you know, titles that I picked up on Steam, and <laughs> it was yeah. And and I and I I always made it a thing to show. I mean, out of the few, there were a few games that I I always thought were a lot of fun to show new people VR, and Unseen mm-hmm. Diplomacy was probably the most fun because um, honestly, it was it it's fun for the person that's doing it because as they're playing for the first time and realizing they're going to have to crawl around and, and, and really like get down and dirty, so to speak with, (laughs) with the game for the first time. (laughs) Uh, It's fun for everybody else watching, watching them do that in the room with the VR headset Mm -hmm. on too. So it's, it's fun for everyone watching. It's fun for everyone playing and, I mean, like that was the original sort of, I guess, the concept for it was we realized that a lot of people would be queuing for a long time to play the game uh, because the Vive wasn't even out yet. Like This was not last November. It was the November beforehand. Oh, wait, we're in November now. <laughs> yeah, it was last <laughs> yeah. year. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like we knew that people were going to be waiting a long time. And so like making the game fun to watch for other people just makes it this really social activity rather than almost like this isolating one, which we are can be seen as. Mm-hmm. Um, that means that people in the queue wouldn't get bored really and quite happy uh, video recording people, sharing it on Twitter. Um, so that was, I mean, in part it was an accidental side effect from our original Jam game, like huh. all those years ago. But like we realized, oh no, this is actually a really core cool feature feature and now when we show at expos we've we've had people queue for like i wouldn't queue for any game longer than 10 minutes but we've had people (laughs) queue for hours for our game and like people are just quite happy just watching and just taking it all in it's it's just awesome yeah no and and another cool thing i'd say just from watching it um you know seeing kind of what went in as far as the development was concerned, like I, when you're in it, I don't think you notice quite as much because you're so immersed as to Mm. what you guys are doing with the space. But when you watch someone and kind of can see what they're doing, you know, in real life versus what's going on inside the game on the screen, 
you kind of see the clever use of how how you're really utilizing the space to go, you know, basically in circles around the square, like really like feeling like you're moving into all of these new environments as a player, but then recognizing that you're never forced to teleport, you're never forced to really like it, it was a really it's a really unique way of using the space that I think not enough titles uh, take advantage of. I think there's a few more that have started to realize the possibilities. Okay. And it's almost like using the level design as a way to get around the limitation rather than giving the player a tool to just cheat it, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, personally, I can't stand teleportation. Like, it's really jarring for me. It yeah. feels like my head is being ripped off and <laughs> somehow teleported somewhere else. Um, so like, I knew that any game would create, I was like, I really don't want to do teleportation for it. Um, but it was a really key part of this design was to make it just entirely one-to-one. And the fun of the game comes from doing the assault course, which, I mean, if you think about it, it's like, does it actually really make it much of a video game where all we're doing is making a virtual reality assault course? Like it's it, where it sort of blurs a line, really. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, if it's the same thing in real life. Yeah, no, that makes <laughs> sense because it's it's the physicality of it that's really like that's everything you're doing. I'm just curious, then, Katie, if you're not a fan of teleportation, do you prefer like the the free range locomotion um, where uh, you just press the buttons and you kind of move? Because I know the teleportation was created as kind of like a stopgap solution to the motion sickness that people feel. But I'm just mm. curious if you have that motion sickness or if you've gotten over it or you just think that people will tend to get used to it in the future of VR? Uh, I actually feel like that the more better VR that you play, the more you get affected by bad locomotion. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, I felt like I was pretty good with motion sickness for a while when I was working um, back on, like, ye olde DK1 stuff, uh, Oculus DK1 stuff. Like, I felt like I was okay but now when I try and go back to that sort of caliber of experience, I guess, I do feel horrific and I have a horrible headache for hours and maybe it's just I'm more aware of it. Um, it's funny you say so, that, actually. I was going to say, yeah. like, I, I've noticed recently when I've been trying some of the, the titles that are more sit-down experiences that mm. I, I feel the same way. And I, I, I had used a DK1 and, yeah, and I, DK1 titles didn't really bother me so much. But now that I've gotten used to the Vive, when I go back and do sit-down experiences, I tend to get a lot more sick. Mm, I think it depends on the device as well. It's almost like your expectations. Like, um, so I like we've got uh, Smash It Plunder on the Gear VR, uh, which is an old demo that we did, and we had lots of locomotion options in there uh, to get around. Like some of the issues, like having fast things in your eyesight and the mismatch in G forces, and etc., uh, which really did work and uh, do work for a lot of people. And now, when I sort of try that on the Vive or something, or like mm. different platforms, mm. like suddenly they don't work quite as well. And now I have to put like the full comfort option, as it were, on all the time when I'm using the Vive. Huh. so like it's quite it's quite interesting that I, yeah again like an end of a platforms i could deal with that but not so much when i get to the vibe and i think that's partly because i'm standing up sure. i'm like floating around in my space i haven't got any like i haven't got my seat 
to like in that space it's entirely entirely empty um from a tech side also- what do you think is the is the cause for the difference between the kit like is it is it is it just the 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 way that you're sitting and all of that sort of thing or is it how it's being tracked or do you know well i think it just comes to like our progress was working with uh, original dk1 then the gear then moving on to the five Mm. so i feel like it's again it's almost like that like all my head movements being tracked and then getting that ripped away from me suddenly when i go back in time as it were mm. suddenly just puts me off a bit more hmm. Interesting. Um, I, I, it's just like it's almost like this expectation now like uh, i mean you get player expectations expectations happen everywhere in the world like if you come to a door and the door has a pull handle on it and you pull it and it doesn't open because it says push in <laughs> text on it then it's like that's an expectation that you're broken and you get that you know just going around your daily life so huh. going around well, in vr you get some sort of thing well that's that's also interesting because i've never really heard anyone talk about it quite like because i i don't really step back and try a lot of the older like i don't go back and forth from different headsets a lot you hear mm. a lot of people that come from the higher end systems like you know the the rift or the vive and you hear concern about about uh, about people trying VR for the first time on on an, on on Samsung Gear or like a Google Cardboard or Pixel type mm. experience, where you know people are are worried that oh if people start VR from the low end systems they're going to get a bad taste in their mouth and then they're mm. not going to like VR. But what you seem to be saying is maybe starting off on the lower end is 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 maybe the bet because you don't have those greater expectations you don't notice yeah, it i i believe that i i do believe that and like going backwards is harder than going forwards um but uh, at the same time if you give someone a really laggy mobile experience that overheats and has no comfort <laughs> options and of course that is still bad and <laughs> can potentially you know potentially put them off <laughs> Yeah, no, it's funny that you say that, Ronnie. I mean, literally just yesterday, I had a friend, uh, a couple people here, like just under 10 people, but one one girl refused to try it, thought it was super cool, but refused to try it because she had had a bad experience previously using one of like the 360 videos. So hopefully mm-hmm. that's that's more of an exception than, than the general case because, I mean, this mm-hmm. stuff is coming everywhere. I mean, we, we get it strangely, though. With um, it's, it's quite interesting when we go to expos where if there's a typical gamer crowd, uh, it's very hard to sometimes get women and girls to play. It's like, all right, parents, you're allowed to play too. It's okay. It's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're allowed to do that sort of thing. <laughs> no, I actually had one of the funniest. I mean, my, my dad is not, he doesn't play games at all. I, I can't think of the last time that I've seen him play a game. But I hadn't when they they came and visited us here. I had them try the Vive, and it was pretty. I mean, I I had him try a couple of other things, and then I actually had him do the archery in the lab, and mm. he really got into it. I mean, he was like, <laughs> I mean, he was he was playing it like he just played games all the time, and it was really cool to see. So yeah, it's unfortunate when people don't give it a shot because I I do think it it op- VR does open itself up to so many more people. It does. And and I I was thinking about this the other day in terms of adults growing up and when they play Unseen Diplomacy, we get this like adult like giggle when they realize like (laughs) screwdriver or call through something. And that's that's lovely. And like I I just remembered the fact that, you know, when you're kids, you use play to learn and you sort of lose that when you grow up, you get 
sat down in school and taught not to play you get taught to learn <laughs> like this is how you're supposed to learn whereas you see like wild animals play all the time and they're just learning while they're doing that it's a bit of a shame that we lose that somehow the screw the screwdriver part is a particularly like i could picture the giggle in my head when you said that because i've seen so many people <laughs> when they when they first realize that it's so funny <laughs> No, that's that's a great. I, I I think I had the same thing happen when my dad tried it too. I tried unseen diplomacy, and he was all like, "You made me crawl around my back in this," but he had so much fun with it. <laughs> so, uh, well, I'd love to hear more about uh, triangular pixels because I know there's a team behind unseen diplomacy. So I don't know if you want to maybe talk about your role within it and uh, and John's role. Sure. So, um, yeah, I'm creative director, and what it means is uh, that John, the technical technical director does all the code and I pretty much do anything else. Uh, like, <laughs> just like sourcing audio, doing the art. Um, I mean, my background, I've been in the games industry for eight years and uh, typically as a designer. Uh, so like level design, gameplay design. And so I had to pick up a lot of new skills in order to actually make a complete game. Um, and John's obviously had to do the same from more of a technical perspective as well. Um, we both used to work at uh, Tony London Studio together. Um and now we're like husband and wife team, as it were, and doing our own thing, really, down in Cornwall in the UK. Um, how, is develop- as- how is developing for, for VR versus, because you, you, you develop, or not develop, you, you did design work for, for titles prior to working on VR? Yeah, um, so uh, quite interesting, actually. Prior to VR, I was working on AR um, at London Studio, working on uh, the Wonderbook pro- uh, platform, if you heard of that. Uh, but it's basically augmented reality uh, QR coded book uh, mm-hmm. that has a webcam from your PS3 pointing to it, mm-hmm. and then the book comes to life on the TV screen and use the PlayStation Move controller to interact with the game. Mm-hmm. Like it turns into a wand, uh, and you had a Harry Potter book come to life. And so, actually, for like a few years prior to working with the physicality that we have to now work with VR. I had already been working in that sort of area for AR. Mm. And it is entirely different because, you know, in the traditional game, you go, all right, how am I going to, like, which button am I going to use for jump? Which button am I going to use for, like, crawl or something? And you can pretty much guarantee that everybody's going to be able to do that. But we can't guarantee that for VR and AR. Like, Mm. we can't, there's no way to program in all the, possible ways someone can interact with something so rather than like doing more of a scripted system uh where you say they have to do this exact action you sort of have to design it like you give things properties instead Hmm. so uh for example uh in unseen diplomacy there's a broom which i only put in there to make it feel like a broom cupboard that little space (laughs) i was always Uh, wondering what that was for (laughs) i mean i usually just ignore it but okay it's just, it's just the, the nice, okay, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, like, so this broom, like, I gave it all the properties of the uh, of other objects in the game, so you know, to pick it up, have physics on it, collision on it, like, it sounds when it moves around. And then we saw that people took the broom, carried it around with them, and used it to poke through lasers to reach buttons. <laughs> oh, and so wow. we okay. didn't actually code the broom to press buttons, we just told the button to respond to various physics collision and (laughs) 
go the broom physics. And so it was something that we didn't program. And it wasn't until we saw YouTube videos of people doing it going, oh, my God, that's genius. We didn't think of that. I use, I use <laughs> so, the cards in the same way. The, the the cards that you pick up, I use the cards yep. to kind of block the lasers, and I'm sure that's uh, not... See, I did actually figure that, which is why they're in there. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. That made, man, the broom was such a genius idea. Like, I've, I mean, I've played it a couple times, and I've watched, like, a million times other people, guests who come over to play it. Nobody's ever done mm. the broom thing, and I've never even thought of, like, the broom. I, I, you know, oh, it messes with the broom. Oh, amazing like, ones. Like, the... Um, using the broom to like lay it against where the laser's coming out instead. So you just block multiple lasers with the broom <laughs> or God. the, um, you know, the, you know, the uh, metal like cover that you take off to go through the vent. Yeah. I've seen oh. people carry that and use it as a shield against lasers. Gosh, that's so. Ge- you know what? I just figured so that there. it won't fit in. in <laughs> I figured it wouldn't, wouldn't fit. So people just throw it to the side. Yeah, you know what's actually funny? The uh, the ladder. Can you do anything with the ladder? Did you design anything? Oh, wait, no. So the ladder, I purposely made it so you couldn't pick it up. And that was because it would look really strange to be able to pick up this big thing with one hand. It's sort of a <laughs> thing that was like, all oh, right, it's something that we can do in like six weeks i'm not gonna be able to do like a system where you could pick up something with two hands and all the complications from that um and so it's like you try and reach out for it and it doesn't quite respond to a button and then we've sort of balanced it so just about falls and that gives you a sense of oh my god this is actually really high it's like a iterating how high you've just crossed very much Uh, so when people actually come around the corner and they see the ladder i'm like okay now grab the ladder because you're gonna need that to get down (laughs) And so they reach for it, it falls, and they freak out because they're like, oh, my God, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? <laughs> yeah, it was, that was quite evil. Uh, and also, it sort of, like, it gets you to look back in that space as well and makes you realize there is a hole there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all sorts of bits and bobs. And, and, like, it basically that bit, I guess, shows the runaway complexity you can have if you start having lots of different objects in your game then like how do all those objects interact with each other and i actually look at job simulator for an example of how that sort of failed a bit mm. like i don't know if you imagine like the original job simulator demos where if you grabbed a knife i was like oh i'm gonna use the knife to chop up the tomatoes and then it fell to bits and it was like that was immediately immersion breaking for me mm-hmm. but if they hadn't put a knife in there mm-hmm. then i wouldn't have felt the need to try and chop it. and and so actually i would have probably kept being kept in the world even more mm. no, so that, it's like, that makes sense yeah it's like that runaway sort of complexity you can get by just putting one object in it could mean so much for the rest of your game yeah or an object that doesn't interact enough there's there are a lot of games out mm. there where especially after coming out of a game like yours or or even job simulator where you can interact with most objects and then mm. going into a game where someone hasn't put any collision on something or, you know, the mm. game doesn't let you interact and it looks like you should be inter- be able to interact with it. That's also yeah, immersion that, breaking. It's so, I mean, we've always felt that though. Like I've played flat games mm-hmm. and felt that like, mm. like uh, a really bad version, I guess it's like in, um, uh, everyone's gone to the rapture mm-hmm. uh, where you walk through, like various buildings sometimes you sometimes don't but it's like you see a half open gate and you try to walk through it and it's stuck it's like it's been just modeled like that mm. so you can't actually walk through that half opened gate mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like ah oh. it's it's all well and good to create amazing art and look make it look gorgeous but then if you're it's all just painted on detail like it doesn't mean anything if you can't interact with it and the difficulty comes into those interactions 
Yeah, I, I was gonna, <laughs> I, I was gonna say actually, like I, when you were talking, I was thinking the first time that I started, I think, getting a lot of those types of expectations was after playing Half Life Two, ironically, because there was so much, mm. so much physics, uh, physics interactions in that game that you started to have different expectations again, kind of like what we were talking about before of what yeah, you right. can and can't interact with. And then from that point on, you you know, it it's very jarring when you, you come up to something like that half-open gate and, and you feel like you should be able to interact because your expectations have now broadened. Yeah, and like when it comes to VR, you end up with expectations of real life as well. Yeah. Like uh, you just, I mean, from our point of view, we're, we've always done talks about this. We talk about it's not necessarily replicating real life. It's just making your game consistent at least mm-hmm. within itself. So not necessarily having like two objects uh, which are identical, like two shells or something. And one shell you can only pick up just because it's got an object interactivity highlight on. It's like, why can't I pick up the other shell? It's identical. Like, just because you've got some shiny thing around it. That, so it's just that's making another, it consistent within yourself. Yeah, just like another another question around around the idea. You had mentioned earlier that, you know, in VR, peop, you can't always, um, you know, you can't always guarantee that players are going to have the same cap- like physical capabilities. Yeah, that's right. Likewise, when they're interacting with objects, um, do you find that b- because people tend to try to to interact with objects and move with objects in different ways from one another like like one example that I, I'm thinking that tends to work really well but I'm just wondering if you could comment on how you solve some of those problems that with the screwdriver for example mm-hmm. I'm guessing that not everyone holds the screwdriver you know in the same orientation like when they're trying to when they're trying to unscrew the screws for example and it, yeah, do you have so, to have some flexibility in terms of how the systems can kind of try to understand what the player's intent is and work from there? Or Yeah, we have to try and make it as generic as possible for the types of ways that people could be interacting, uh, as well as actually being able to work like and make it feel like it's accurate. Um, so for that screwdriver... Um, we see people who are typical gamers who would just waggle the screwdriver mm. uh, rather because like a remote mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than yeah. using like an actual screwdriver. Um, and we've had people who would try turning it right a bit, like to, it's like no left to undo, not right to undo. <laughs> um, and so like we don't do anything. So if we were really, really trying to make this super accurate, then if you would screw right, you'd be doing the screw back up again. Mm. Uh, but we don't allow that. It's always any action that was be turning, uh, what's it say, clockwise? No, anti-clockwise, left, mm. <laughs> uh, would be undoing the screw. Um, and it also, we didn't do anything like detecting the angle of which you're putting the screw in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, or even the like the length of the screw. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we see people don't some people don't move their hand backwards as it comes out some people just sort of leave it in place mm. um, and the other thing though to make it feel really realistic is originally it had a really big collider on it uh, like a detection collider so when you put the screwdriver in it didn't even have to be anywhere near the head of the screwdriver to uh, head of the screw to work mm. um, so it could just work from anywhere and then I was like oh this feels a bit 
rubbish. So I made it tighter and I was like, okay, this feels better. And I kept on making it so tight that actually ended up being the actual little hole hmm. in the little uh, head, as mm-hmm. it were, of the screwdriver, mm-hmm. where the screw go in. And now like that collision box is really that tight against that screw. And that feels the best. Um, so like there is compromises and there's always going to be compromises, but I feel like with that one, we hit a good sort of like a good balance as it were between the accuracy of making something that feels really good. If you try to do it really accurately as would, as you would in real life at the same time, compromising for people who just sort of waggle their arms around, I guess. <laughs> no, I, I really do think that that's the, the tighter, the, the compression or whatever it is, yeah, it feels it feels right. It, it like does, it, and, and it's interesting to hear you talk about it because yeah, that it, because it does require precision on one hand, but it's the right type of precision that people people are able to figure out that they need to be touching the the hole at least, and then mm. and then the rest is kind of you know you, uh, yeah. I think that only increases the immersion, and, and maybe it's because mm. in the real in the real world when you have a screw and a screwdriver, uh, you need to be very accurate. Like that, you know, you so need to- at least that, mm-hmm. that some type of accuracy. Yeah, so uh, just from but like a mental perspective. In the perspective. real world, <laughs> yeah, I mean like in the real world, we have the bonus of fizzle feedback. Whereas <laughs> we don't have that in VR. That's so, true too, yeah. like, like we have to make sure that the that there is definitely like a very visual, it really is coming out mm. uh, like quite a far distance. And also uh, make sure that the audio is like, really spot on so you can really tell like as soon as you do any sort of turn there's a noise like mm. i can't hear a screw and doing <laughs> not real life yeah. um we made it like really obvious it's like no you really <laughs> are doing a screw uh no i mean i i think everything that you've added so far uh really just adds to the immersion of the game like i said it's, it is one of the more unique experiences out there and in terms of what ronnie was saying too just the use of space and room scale uh, and and just going back to even pre- more previous in the conversation, when um, when people come out of it and they take the headset off, they look around the mm-hmm. room immediately and like, whoa, I just did all of that in here. Like that's <laughs> that's crazy. So I think that's one of the best feelings. That whenever I take the headset off and realize that I'm actually just in my living room or something, and people mm. when people had that same kind of experience, and it's, I feel like you get it the most out of games like Unseen Diplomacy. Yay, it's kids. Uh, I mean, like teleporting people away from somewhere. Uh, we love that. That's cool. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, so I have a question here that I've been asking to, or that we've been asking to uh, developers, just because I think you guys have a unique experience or a unique perspective on VR industry in general. But it's a hypothetical. So as a developer, uh, what is one wish that you have for the future of VR platforms? And uh, the, you know, the hypothetical is like if you were the CEO of HCC or Oculus or another high-end platform, like where would you want to focus your company's time, energy, resources? Like what is the next big thing that you think can really change the game for VR? So I guess that's almost like two questions because what I wish for VR in the future is that it just keeps going and keeps getting bigger because, you know, obviously that'd be great for us. Uh, in terms of like new technology type things, which is what you're talking about, mm-hmm. um, I really am looking forward to all the wireless stuff. I think that'd be great. Or like the inside out tracking to make just this whole standalone unit. But I think the first thing that's going to make a really big difference is really nailing the controllers. Um, Because you you put a controller in someone's hands and it's got buttons and they're they're a non-gamer, they still get flustered. 
um, even if it's almost like a remote uh, design. Um, you see there's like quite some quite nice uh, like write-ups about how they design the remote to make it look like a normal TV controller. Um, and like, but they still get flustered. And so it's like, what can we do about that? And so I guess seeing how we can get some more natural interactions in that, um, whether it's, I mean, I don't think necessarily elite motion is going to be the be all and end all. You know, I think it's obviously got a lot of limitations. Um, the fact we haven't got any force feedback as well mm-hmm. when you're actually like interacting with things. Um, so I think there's still going to be a use of buttons, like a very binary yes and no to something. Mm-hmm. Um, but but how do we get the analogness of people's hands in there, of people's arms, of people's legs? Because that's the other thing as well. The amount of people that we get that say, whoa, it was really weird looking down and not seeing my body. Like, <laughs> to be, yeah. able to, be able to get rid of that problem would be amazing. Well, um, so, like, yeah, and it's getting funny. players' bodies in there. <laughs> and it's funny with the, with the legs question. Like, I've had a lot of, like, a lot of people here that when, when they first try it out, they'll want to know if there's, like, a soccer game or, like, a, you know, like a football game. Mm. And, and immediately I have to explain, well, no, it doesn't track your legs, so you can't really <laughs> do anything like that. But you could mm. like so that's that's kind of a funny thing and and in general actually your game and some of the comments that I think you had you guys had made maybe on your Steam page I'm trying to remember where I had read it but um, was kind of on the controller issue an interesting thing is you hear a lot of people you know talking up the the kind of natural feel of the Oculus Touch and you see you know the you know uh, Valve has their own prototypes that kind of look similar to the Touch. Um, mm-hmm. But but then the idea that a game like yours that involves you know crawling on the ground and everything that that's not always an ideal type of controller for those type of movements because you have that large ring around the hand or like so for some in some respects the wands actually work better for some type of types of of movements and stuff. It, yeah, I mean, um, I always use the example for like when we're doing talks, it's about us trying to design for the hardware. And so when people are trying to port between the touch and Vive and move controllers, I have to remind people that the design of the Vive and move controllers are very much making it feel like you should be holding a tool in your hands. Mm-hmm. So uh, like when they're rendered as hands, it doesn't feel as good. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you try doing that with an Oculus Touch, rendering that as a tool is really weird. It's like, no, it should be my hand. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I, and in terms of, I guess, the crawling aspect, uh, what we say about Touch is because of that loop it is so big then, and that is obviously a problem that you would somehow have to take them off, and it, it would just get incredibly messy, and people could potentially end up breaking them which is obviously we don't want yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, but like the new i don't even know what they're calling them at the moment the new vive ones mm-hmm. like, like the new steam like, valve ones i guess um i guess they're actually a lot tighter so it might not be as much of an issue but obviously you haven't had our hands on them mm-hmm. and i mean we're talking about just two companies here um you know, well, three companies, including Sony, we're not thinking about like the multitude of other five light devices that are coming out with this new open hardware platform they're trying to do now. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm really looking forward to seeing some of the solutions that people come up with. Because, um, yeah, I mean, like, I looked at a football game, like a VR football game that got announced recently. Mm. Um, and it was like, oh, wow, that would be awesome. Like, because I'm a, I used to play a lot of field hockey, um, okay. you know, like, uh, 
and I was actually a goalkeeper on that and I was like oh great I get to be a goalkeeper again and you know I just get to do it in VR I don't have to bother with a massive team trying to shoot against me I could just <laughs> do it in VR um so it's been going out in the rain anyway of doing this summer and so like I was like but then I was really gutted I was like oh but they can't trap my body <laughs> like, I <laughs> yeah. save stuff with my legs I save stuff with my body I save stuff with my head the only thing that could trap is my my hands and leg my head so that would work well, it just make you a very proficient goalie with the uh, with your hands, then. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that in field hockey. Ah. <laughs> For sure. Well, I, so I, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, mm-hmm. I just a couple more questions. The first is we'd love to hear about the future of unseen diplomacy or triangular pixels. Uh, you know, do you guys have anything coming down the pipeline? Or are you planning any major updates? Uh, just what what do you got going on? I guess. Uh, so, uh, Unseen Diplomacy was always like a little game dev holiday from our main title that we've been developing for a few years now, uh, which is Smash It Blunder. And like, we still need to really focus on finishing that, and that's what we've got funding for, so we need to definitely finish it. Um, but we've made bits and bobs of Unseen Diplomacy in our spare time, I guess you mm-hmm. could say. Like, you know, working at weekends. Um, so we would like to try and see those in the Steam version. Uh, but we're, what we're actually really trying to do now is try and find some proper funding to actually go and make a full version of the game. Um, we're very aware that most VR games are effectively gameplay mechanics and like demo, like people see them as demos rather than like a full title. And that's because they're missing a lot of things that traditional games have, like options menus, the start menu, uh, <laughs> yeah. like, but things like player progression, which is like the biggest missing thing for most games where you feel like you're getting better at the game. You feel like you're being challenged more. You feel like you're actually like, you know, RPGs do it in terms of experience points or whatever but there is other ways of feeling like you're getting like more and more out of the game um and so we want to try and find a way to get unseen diplomacy to have that sort of i guess that feel of like some sort of player progression and make it feel like a full title um so yeah like funding basically so my job at the moment is a lot of obviously designing levels and stuff and content for our current game but also trying to find funding and try and get money off people so yeah <laughs> all right well that's uh, the name of the game but we are looking forward to to future titles if it's anything close to what you've had for uh, unseen diplomacy so best of luck with that um awesome. i uh so this just the last question it's more so just a, a shameless plug is there a place that people can uh reach you online or best place to connect with you or to ask questions or to uh, what i mean this is more so like i said shameless plug whatever you'd like to throw out there um feel free you got a couple minutes it's all yours okay uh i guess that we're on every major social platform well major it was in facebook twitter um linkedin uh youtube uh as well as our own website at trianglepixels.com I think it's dot com, <laughs> and uh, obviously you know we've got our Steam page, but uh, where we post updates about unseen diplomacy. Uh, but we often write up uh, all about our talks and blog posts upon our own website. So I guess keep an eye on that. Uh, we're at Triangular Pixel on Twitter, and my personal one is at Katie underscore Tripixels. Um, so yeah, that's that's about it really. I mean, other than that, I guess like really appreciate people 
getting the game and I guess spending the, the price of a cup of coffee on it, which is great. <laughs> and uh, I only hope that could continue because like that, that really, really helps us and really helps what we're doing at the moment. So yeah, really appreciate it and love all the, all the love and attention, I guess is, has been amazing for us and we really appreciate that as well. So yeah. For sure. Well, for, for anyone listening, I will say, and I know Ronnie will say the same thing too. It's worth so much more than a cup of coffee. So make sure you get it, you know, for, for the, the, the price that it's at right now. Um, it's, you get so much more than I feel like when you pay for a lot of these bigger games or, you know, other more expensive games and the replay value is, is super high with, you know all the people that you can show that are new to VR. So if you're looking for a showcase piece, this is one of the first, one of the best ones. And in fact, Ronnie showed it to me uh, when he when I first you know was introduced to VR and the Vive, and it's one of the games that sold me on getting a Vive myself. Yay! <laughs> so well, Katie, I, thank you so much. We really we really appreciate you taking the time out, and you know we hope best of luck in the future for anyone listening. Thanks for tuning in. And we hope to talk to you guys in again very, very soon and hopefully to hear your feedback on your experiences with Unseen Diplomacy. Thanks again and take care. Bye.